Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Lightspeed Lawn Care Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Cody Owen, sitting down with Robert Chapa from the Lightspeed team. And we are so excited today to be talking to you about how to find and get commercial lawn accounts for your business. Robert, thanks for being here, Dwayne. Hey, thanks for having me, Cody. It's good to be here, guys. This is take three, third, third time's a charm. We're ready to go. <laughs> Couple of technical difficulties as we're spooling up doing the video version of the podcast that you can find over on our YouTube channel if you would prefer to get it that way or yeah. whatever whatever works for you. So we'll just dive right in here. Why, why do people want commercial accounts for their lawn business? The big things here are that they consistently pay it's good work. You can usually get like a 12 month contract out of them because you're also going to be going in in the winter and like, you know, running through the the lot real quick and making sure that there's not trash in the, the middle of the grass, that kind of thing. They're going to pay for a lot of upsells, you know, depending on the kind of property you're going after, there's going to be opportunity for hedge trimming, uh, you know, light tree trimming work. You're going to be putting out mulch. So it's usually, it is a, you know, kind of all encompassing contract. So they're really attractive. Also like Chili's is probably not going to go out of business and not pay you, but there is like a, you know, there's a non-zero chance that a homeowner will move away and just stiff you. So they are really reliable. They can be a good add-on to a successful residential business, as long as you have the right equipment for it. So that's kind of, but we, we can move to the next question here about why you would not want to go after commercial accounts. And the big thing would be if you don't have the right equipment to do the lot sizes of the commercial accounts in your area, if you are not cool with getting paid in like 90 days, um, I know that like, so I've talked about my dad a couple times on the podcast now, but he's kind of top of mind just because we've talked about landscaping a lot in the last couple of months. But I know that like when he has done the contract with the landscape company, that comes and does the facility that he runs, those guys get paid on like net 90, net 120 terms. I can't remember what exactly it was, but that is a long time to go without getting paid. So that is a big drawback to this. It puts a, all of the power in the hands of, you know, the operations manager essentially at that property that you're serving or the property management, if it's an apartment building. Um, you know, you're not always working with people in that respect. You know, hopefully the the check does get cut and it it comes, but it is going to take quite a while to get paid for the work. So you have to be set up in a way where you can handle that burden on your payroll, right? That your your guys aren't going to get paid in three months. They're going to get paid in, you know, 10 to 14 days from when they do the job. So I think the biggest thing there is that the terms are really unfavorable to the smaller business. If you get where you can command better terms, then, you know, you can, when you go to renew, you can always try to get better terms, but that would be the main thing I'd be worried about not having the right equipment. And then also like property managers can be less forgiving than residential, right? If you are just cutting your teeth in the lawn care industry, commercial can be good if you find the right fit, but mostly like residential, you're going to sign up, you know, some friends, some family members first, and they're going to be like, okay, that you scalped their lawn a little bit as you learn and grow. But, uh, you know, property managers are not going to be cool with that because that reflects on them. That's in their performance review, all of that sort of thing that like you're getting involved in their life in a much deeper way than you would at 
you know, taking care of someone's home. Yeah, and if and if you're just starting out and, you know, say you pick up some large job, like with multiple apartment complexes, then you have this pressure of we're like, oh my gosh, I need to hire a bunch of guys. I need to get yeah. like four or five blowers now. I need to get all these mowers. And so now you're like already thinking about racking up all this debt just to take on these jobs that you don't really know how it's going to work out to start with, like with Cody said, how the man, the property manager is, especially at an apartment. So, yeah. and this kind of gets us into, okay, if you are a small, you know, maybe if even just yourself at the moment, you know, you can still take on the commercial jobs, just like a Chili's or something with the one acre property. That's kind of where we get into what lot size should we be targeting? Yeah. yeah so lot size is really going to be determined by, Number one, the like, what kind of business are you wanting to work with? Because a, like a one acre lot Chili's is going to have mostly parking lot and not a lot of grass, but it is going to have a lot of edging, right? Because you're going to be edging that entire area around the parking lot. So when you're looking at this, you know, there's a big difference between, and I said this in our, our YouTube video, there's a big difference between like mowing an empty lot and even like the level of care that's expected there when you're just the guy that goes out and mows around the, uh, you know, building coming soon sign versus taking care of, you know, a medical office park, a, you know, maybe somewhere on campus at a university. There's a different level of care that's expected. There's different opportunities for upsells. Like the, the uh, empty lot is never going to pay you to put out a pallet of color. That's not going to be in their contract. It's just going to be that you keep them from getting fined by the city. So really it comes down to how big is your mower? How much can you cover in the amount of time that you want to spend on the property to have a competitive rate? That is another key thing here is that a lot of this is going to be dictated by the, you know, if you're able to undercut another provider or if you're able to you know, present yourself as like so professional that they overlook pricing, but usually, you know, it's going to come down to the budget that's been given to them for getting this done. Once you figure out your ideal lot size, and that is not something that like Robert and I can tell you, Hey, go take care of this. I would tell you that if I was going to get involved in it, I would want to be working with like restaurants, banks, kind of that, that scale of business. I would not jump in on you know, maintaining a huge office park with like multiple buildings, just because like that is a lot to bite off in one go. I would maybe try to build up to that See, dip your toe in the water of commercial in the way that is the closest to the residential that you're used to. And that's going to be those, you know, small ish businesses, franchise locations of restaurants that are going to have like good opportunities for upsells for you, good opportunities to do some landscaping but they're not going to be like crazy huge time sinks. I can tell you the, the apartment complex that I am in now, the guys that are out here, I don't know how they turn a profit. It, they're out here for like eight hours a day, multiple times a week. I cannot tell you how many times I have tried to sit down and record a video and they are out with a blower for, you know, like four hours. There's like 10 bushes and, you know, they could string trim one section down there and they're just, they're here constantly. So either the contract is like way overbid and they're somehow still profitable or they're, uh, you know, losing money and just haven't fixed it yet. I do, Cody. I thought the same thing at the last apartment I stayed at. It'd be all day. I'm just like, dude, I don't see how you guys are making money, but you know, yeah. maybe, maybe, like you said, maybe they're not. 
And when it comes to commercial properties, most likely the fly, a flyer or a door hanger. Well, we don't have anywhere to put the door hanger. (laughs) Yeah. How do we get these commercial clients? Especially if we're just starting out, we don't really have those connections yet. Yeah. So what you want to be after is the name, phone number, and email address of that decision maker. And so if it's an apartment complex or a bank or whatever, like you want to talk to whoever is the local management and they might need to refer you up to someone at corporate or whatever. But, you know, you want to... I mean, you're going to have to walk in the door at a lot of these places to to get these kinds of jobs. This is going to be less marketing and more direct selling. Uh, and some guys aren't aren't comfortable with that, don't want to do that. They want to do kind of one-to-many style stuff that would be more traditional marketing. And I like I would never take on a client who wanted us to do Facebook ads for commercial accounts. I just have not figured out a strategy that works for that. Even going after like job titles and stuff, it's just like the person's not going to live in the place that they work, you know, all of that sort of thing. It just doesn't, you know, the contracts are big enough that it's worth it to sell uh, personally to whoever the contact is. So you want to get that name, email address, phone number of the contact who's responsible for that. And the nice thing is that usually the uh, person that you're interacting with in person at that place, if, if the decision maker isn't there, they want to uh, end this interaction as quickly as possible. <laughs> so they are going to want to give you that information because that gets you to stop talking to them. We all know we've all been into a leasing office and how no one there wants to work. I'm assuming that anyone listening to this is already in residential and they're considering dipping their toe into commercial. If you're starting a commercial only lawn care business, I kind of don't care if you have a Facebook page. I just don't think that it's going to be a a real sales avenue for you guys in the commercial industry. Feel free to comment below if if that's not your experience and you've closed jobs through Facebook. I just feel like LinkedIn is going to be a better place for you to network the kind of person that you need to be in contact with to close that deal. I would focus on, you know, making sure that you've got pictures up on LinkedIn, that you are kind of engaging regularly, some like local things to engage with so that you're talking to local businesses since that's who you're going to need to work with to add these accounts. And then if you're, you know, new in commercial or you're starting a business and you're going to take residential and commercial website is the first thing that you need to have. That is where you're going to want to send all of your traffic to, right? So you want people requesting quotes for their homes there. You want people reaching out about commercial things there. If they hear about you some other way and you need you need that to look professional, right? It's really helpful to show up in your like, you know, kind of athletic fit polo with your logo on it. And then you, you need to have a business card that you can leave behind if the decision maker is like not there, but works in that building specifically. Business card that you can leave behind with your website and your website needs to look professional when they hit it, right? Especially commercial accounts. You know, there's a lot of big businesses that work in this space. And so the expectation I think of professionalism is even higher than your typical residential company needs to hit. You know, when you're competing with billion dollar businesses like Brightview, you need to, you know, you don't need to look as big as a billion dollar business, but you need to look as professional as them to be able to have people feel confident that you're going to deliver the service that they need. And then you get the added benefit of the angle of like, Hey, I'm local. I, you know, you're not going to be a little fish in my ocean of business. 
you're going to be a big fish in my pond. I'm going to take care of your property because you know, you matter, your contract matters to me a lot more than your contract would matter to Brightview. So you get that angle, but you need to have the professionalism and deliver the quality of service that's expected of that big company, or they're going to go back to the big company. That's a good point, Kelly, especially since you're local, you're in the community, you care about the community more. You can really stress that in your sales pitch and even on your pitch on your website. So where your, where your landing page is, where you're sending them to, make sure to have that more than just a form, definitely more yeah. than just a form. Yeah. Yeah. You need to, your, your pitch should be written for your like two minutes that you're going to spend on the phone or talking in person with this person. You should have the kind of the same pain points that you're addressing. I think, especially if you're going after, uh, you know, all these places already have a business that's taking care of their lawn, right? They're taking, that's taking care of their property. And so you need to come in with what are the pain points with that kind of company? Do they not show up when they're supposed to, you know, if they're small and unprofessional, maybe if they're big and super professional, maybe it's that your concerns aren't addressed. They make the same mistakes over and over. They screw up the same things. And it, it really frustrates the person who has to keep complaining and keep saying, please stop doing this to the property. You know, you're able to use that pitch that I was talking about just a second ago where, well, we're small and we care. And so your pitch should look like that. It needs to be, you know, I would even kind of script out what you're going to say over the phone. You want it to still be conversational, but just having kind of a, a core pitch that you come back to would be really helpful. I would write that so that you can practice it. I talk about this in our, our YouTube video that you should practice it with someone you know that you're not actually selling to, but just kind of go over it so that you've really got it. Um, and a thing I would tell you that, uh, you know, I took a couple acting classes in college. Most important thing that you can do when you have a script is to not sit there and just think about the script. You want to listen to what the other person is saying and engage with it. And you can respond to it with scripted dialogue that you've already written for yourself that makes sense, but it has to make sense. You can't sound like a robot. So you might hear all of this and think like, oh man, I am not that guy. I'm not a sales guy. I like to mow lawns. I like to be outside. I like people to not talk to me. You know, I know a lot of lawn care business owners who are not like crazy extroverts. And so if you find yourself thinking that it might be time to consider whether you need to hire a salesperson. If you are serious about building out a commercial division, you might need a sales guy to spend his day chasing that down. And you can talk about like, you know, what that pay structure looks like. Like it's not something we're going to get into here, but I would think it probably needs to be commission-based because he's going to be kind of self-managing. Your, your salesperson there is going to be kind of off doing their own thing all day. And so you need something that drives the incentive to produce. And that's why so many of those positions end up being commission-based. And, and then at some point we, I was watching the, your interview with Jacob Godar from Scooters. I think it was like an interview from two years ago. This is, he talks about how he expanded his office space when he was wanting mm -hmm. to, even though this is not necessarily commercial, but he was talking about while expanding his business, he said, okay, before I even hire a bunch of, I don't want to say just guys, but guys to do my, you know, out there mowing, doing the work, I need to actually mm -hmm. get my office set up first because if I don't have anybody in the office or enough people in the office, then okay, who's making the sales for me? Who's closing the sales for me? Because if you don't have time to answer that phone call at that mm -hmm. time when they call you, well, you, you're, even though you're working, they've already called two or three other people that 
did pick up their phone and they probably yeah. chose somebody before you even had a chance to get back. That is key. I mean, I can tell you like one of the first pieces of content I wrote in the lawn care space was a blog post about always answering your phone and how important it is to always pick up the phone. And if you cannot do it, if you cannot guarantee that you're going to do it, then you have to hire someone to do it. Especially if you're getting into high value contracts that you're investing in that sales effort, you cannot miss that call. When they call back to close the deal, you don't want to miss that call. You want to take their yes as quickly as possible and get an invoice sent over. Um, so you always, always, always have to be answering your phone. And if that means that you need to hire a virtual assistant uh, to, to take care of that, you know, you can work with someone like Call Boss or Pink Collars. We talk to, you know, the owners of both of those companies on, on our very shows. But yeah, it's, it's key to answer the phone. And if they say no, if they've gotten the quote and they're like, no, we don't, we don't want to do it. It's important to follow up with a why. Find out, is it just pricing? Is this place just cheap? And that's the problem. Like that's not, you know, necessarily, unless you're getting a bunch of no's based on price, I would not be too concerned with one. And I wouldn't necessarily come back and negotiate with them on it. But if you're hearing it a lot and it's really affecting the growth of the division, then you might consider, okay, we're quoting this too high. What do we need to fix about our model to make it work? But I would always follow up, right? Come back a month later, two months later, and see how things are going with the company they went with and see like, you know, are, are they having the same problems with them they were having with the last company? That was why they were talking to you in the first place and see if you can get your foot back in the door, right? Re-engage with those cold leads. And that can be why it's really helpful to have a sales guy because he's going to be hungry to, to chase those down. And then if they say yes, we have to consider how to keep them happy. Um, I think the biggest thing there, I'll let Robert talk at some point. I should let him talk. But I think the biggest thing, if if they say yes and you need to keep them happy, it's important that the crew knows, the crew that's going out to take care of the, the property knows, hey, these were the pain points that they told us about the company that took care of them previously. So that they know like, hey, if you go out and you do these exact same things, we're going to lose this job. So we need you to address these core concerns and obviously deliver on like the quality that you, you give all of your customers, but with special attention to those. And that's even a thing you could follow up on with the property manager is like, take them out and say like, Hey, did we take care of these things in the way you expected? I mean, that's even happened in our industry too, Cody. We've had, we've had clients come from, you know, maybe another agency and they said, Hey, this is why we came. We had these type of issues. And then you always translate over to me and said, Hey, this is what's happened. And we just ha I need to make sure that this doesn't happen, which usually is just the general case. We, I mean, we try, we take care of everybody. So usually yeah. we're on there, but we will be like, okay, we got to keep a super, super close eye on this client. And yeah, it's no matter what business you're in, you just got to respond right away. You may have other things mm -hmm. that you need to do, but I mean, no matter what, if they get in front of you, that is the most important person and an important thing to do at that time. Now mm -hmm. about commercial clients, Cody, I can't really speak on this next part at all. Um, mm -hmm. How do we bid on commercial clients and win those clients as well? So what does that process look like? So pricing is pricing, regardless of whether it is a commercial account, it's a residential home in a new neighborhood that you haven't worked in before, whatever it is, 
it comes down to how many man hours is it going to take to do this job and what is our profitable man hour rate? And no one can tell you what that is except you as the operator of the business. So anyone who gives you 40, 50, 60, 100, 120, whatever that number is they're telling you to target, they're telling you that to give you an easy answer that's satisfying. And it is not like what I'm giving you right now are the vegetables that you don't want to hear, which is you have to go do work to figure out what this number is. Uh, but it's going to depend on your equipment, how efficient your crew is, how, how quickly they get the job done and how many men you have on the job doing it. So you, it comes back down to man hours and what rate of profitability you want. You know, I want you pushing 30, 40, 50% profitability on the job so that you can reinvest in the business and continue to grow it. And if your profit margin is getting like really, really thin and you're like just breaking even on payroll, then you don't have the money to reinvest in the business and grow it. You're going to end up in a like death spiral where you're like constantly just enough money in to put it back out and never able to invest in the business and grow. And that's also like, that's no way to live, right? You're going to end up super stressed out, constantly worried about it. And you know, I, I own a small business. I have been there. I felt that frustration of, of being like really thin during certain times of the year. So you have to quote these jobs in a way where if they say yes, it is not going to cause you more anxiety in the future. Don't call it. What's the, what's the one from the Simpsons when Homer eats all the mayonnaise and he's, they're like, Hey, that's not good. And he says, that's a problem for future Homer. (laughs) (laughs) So don't cause yourself just trouble just to have a, just to fill up your books, man. It's like Cody said, you're going to end up pulling your hair out and it just feels even worse than a job. If yeah. not that all jobs are bad, but if you came from a bad one. Yeah. Well, Hey, so, you know, like I said earlier in the episode, we cannot help you do one-to-one selling for commercial accounts, but if you are looking to grow your residential side of your lawn care and landscaping business, the team here at Lightspeed would love to put our years of experience in green industry marketing to work for you. There will be a link in the description, in the show notes of where you can go to fill out our form, come on in, get a quote on how we can help you grow your business. Robert, would you do the honors? You know what, before I get into the honors, <laughs> we, you, we forgot something big, dude. What, what? We have a course, we'll link it below. It's the ultimate lawn marketing course. Cody and Paul Jamison, all of us together, we made this course so that if you are you know, wherever you are in your business, this is especially for those guys just starting out. If you're wanting to learn how to market, learning how to target on the super, super, I mean, like how we do here at Lightspeed, very accurate level and just what goes into copywriting. We even put a email template in there. There's a, a whole bunch of things that I'm not even, not even naming. And it's with Paul Jamison. It just came out this past week and I'll link it below. We have all the information. So if you want to get your ads roll in this spring. I mean, now is the time and definitely check that out guys. Yeah. And we also, we have a couple of five-star reviews on Apple podcasts that I, we had not gone back and looked at these. So I wanted to take a quick sec to shout out Ken, the lawn guy. I see your review here. You've been in the industry for over 30 years and doing things the old ways. And you're, you're trying to learn some new tricks there. So we are excited to have you along for the ride. Thank you for the the five-star review. 
And also we have a review from impressed listener. Oh, okay. uh, you know, that's their username for, for all of their reviews, not just ours, but I like to think that we impressed them. They gave us five stars and they mentioned that they listened to all of the podcasts that I made when I was a, a baby over at service autopilot. So I want to give a shout out to impressed listener. Thanks for coming along for the ride and listening to my new stuff. In addition to uh, reminding me about the uh, good old days. So Heck thank yeah. you both of you for writing those reviews. Thanks guys. And if it would help us out, if you write a review, if you have a question, put in the review, hit us up on YouTube with the question and we'll answer it here on the podcast. And remember yeah. to grow your business at light speed. <laughs>